Uh, so I'm located in Easton, Pennsylvania right now. So that's in Eastern PA. It's actually right next to New Jersey. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, too close for comfort. Just kidding, New Jersey people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New Jersey customers, come on over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's good. Hey, they have cheap gas, so I, I love them for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um. Yeah, so we're in East, Eastern PA. Um, I do pretty much any kind of custom fab someone wants to do. I've done long arms, uh, one-ton swaps. I've done re-gears, um, custom bumpers, custom tire carriers, stainless exhaust, rust repair, you name it. I've pretty much been through all of them already, and I'm open to trying anything. This interview episode is brought to you by the Jeep Talk Show. You can't advertise on our interview episodes, and it's a cheap, effective way to reach a nearly 100% Jeep owner audience. Yeah, we have a few uh, Toyotas and uh, some Jeep wannabes uh, out there that uh, listen to us, too. So we, we appreciate everybody listening. Some of them have more than one Jeep. So go to jeeptalkshow.com contact and contact us today. Hi, I'm Tony, and welcome to the Jeep Talk Show, the talk show where we talk about all things Jeep, from trail riding to overlanding and everything in between. Every Friday, we have an interview with a new and exciting guest. Sometimes they have products uh, that you need for your Jeep, underscore need. Uh, sometimes they just have a great story to share. Sometimes both. So sit back, grab a cold one, and get ready for another great guest right here on the Jeep Talk Show. Are you ready? It's time for the Jeep Talk Show with hosts Tony, Josh, Wendy, and Chuck. Well, there have been many people in my life that have made me smile, laugh, and even cry, and I've never met them. Okay, that one that made me cry was a dog named Old Yeller. Uh, you can identify him. <laughs> These are all people and animals that were in movies or TV, entertainment people. They have left a mark on my life and many others. Of course, it doesn't have to be movies uh, and TV. Sometimes it's a local radio station. Uh, if, if you're from the Houston area for a while, you may have heard the Q Zoo in the morning back in the 90s. Hilarious show. Uh, made traffic just a little more bearable. My hope is that the Jeep Talk Show has made your life better, happier. Smiles, laughter, and maybe even a tear. As we end 2023, thank you for being a listener. And even if this is the first episode you've heard, thank you. Thank you for me and the team that helps keep this show going. Don't miss our interview with Dr. Pamela Gay, where she remembers her Jeep. Sometimes it's just the little things that make you so proud to be a Jeep owner. I, I remember in Boston going to a grocery store, a bunch of the parking spaces were filled with snow piles. I'm just going to park <laughs> on top of that snow pile. Did I mention she's a famous astronomer? Not expecting to be recognized and had people ask for my autograph. And, and to me, I am a dork on the internet. Unfortunately, Pamela had the wrong color Jeep. No, I love my green Jeep. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. 
Hello, boys and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And tonight we're going to be talking with Nick from Four Link Four Wheel Drive. Uh, that's four, the number four, the word link, the number four, WD, kind of like WD 40, right, Nick? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> four Link Four Wheel Drive dot uh, com. Uh, so Nick has, uh, has had an interest in Jeeps since he was a little boy, including driving into trees with his red Wrangler power wheels or what he was panicking until i got to power wheels that's the toy jeep not a real jeep (laughs) but people do run into trees they just jump out in front of you in high school nick taught himself to weld and design parts for his jeep which was the only affordable option for him at the time nick has officially been running four link four-wheel drive llc since 2020 but started his passion for off-roading based on fabrication years prior Uh, that's how the sickness always starts isn't it It always starts years prior and then you go wait a minute maybe i can make some money doing this (laughs) (laughs) that's right Nick, thanks a lot for being with us here on the show tonight. Um, So uh, I I mentioned before we started recording that I uh, really appreciated the promotion of the the pending and the impending interview that you're going to be doing uh, uh, on social media, certainly on Instagram. And uh, I was telling you how we have guests on here and uh, they spend, you know, 45 minutes, an hour talking and then we get no promotion from them. Uh, I mean, you would think that after they've spent time and invested their time in it, they would say, hey, listen to my interview. then you have to be about the Jeep talk show. Just just listen to my interview. And uh, the, we, we don't really get much promotion. So to get pre-promotion is actually wonderful. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So, Nick, uh, now, when you started, uh, I believe you probably, st- what was your, fr- I'll just, I, I won't, I won't assume, what was your first Jeep besides the power, red power, or Wrangler power wheel? So, uh, yeah, my first, the first Jeep that I actually own personally is uh, a 1994 Jeep Grand Cherokee ZJ mm-hmm. body style. Um, so, yeah, that was my first vehicle. I still have it. It's pretty much where I learned how to do mechanical work. Uh, it was given to me by my parents without, well, it didn't run. The transmission was shot. So, I... Uh, I did a transmission replacement, and then things just kind of snowballed from there. What did you do on the transmission replacement? Junkyard, or uh, I would assume? Yeah, I found, um, I think it might have been from a part out. I found somewhere on Craigslist at the time. And uh, my dad has like a step van. He and me went there and picked it up, brought it home, and did the replacement in the driveway. Yeah. So, uh, how old were you at the time? Uh... Either fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, that's that's whenever I started doing uh, actually clutch uh, clutch replacements because I kept burning <laughs> out the clutches in mine about yeah. sixteen years old. Uh, I mean, I remember the clutch uh, the clutch uh, disc itself was like less than twenty bucks. This is a long time oh, wow. ago. Yeah, so that wasn't a big deal. Uh, but uh, the twelve hours that I spent replacing it the first time, yeah, <laughs> that was a big deal. Uh, my dad was not mechanical at all. Uh, and I had no prior, uh, experience, obviously being that young and uh, just kind of had to figure it out. And, uh, fortunately my dad had, did have tools, uh, which he complained about them being dirty. And uh, I did break a couple of sockets, uh, <laughs> cause even, if, even at 16, I was able to over torque the, uh, the bolts. So, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I mean, being my own transmission jack and stuff, but, uh, so your dad helped you with this, right? Yeah, he did. And, uh, yeah, that's. I really thank him for a lot of my or all of my mechanical ability and uh, just him, you know, being patient with me, showing me how to essentially work on things. 
So, so uh, you you've probably been through the same thing we've all been through. Uh, <laughs> pay attention to where you're pointing that light. <laughs> uh, so many times. <laughs> I, I yeah. remember my dad getting mad at me for uh, giving him, uh, telling me he wanted the Crescent Wrench. Oh, he never told me what a Crescent Wrench was. And then it was like, <laughs> give me give me a screwdriver. Uh, one of those uh, X's or one of those uh, flat things? <laughs> yes. So if your dad actually gave you some information, that's great. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that, that was always, I think everybody uh, everybody can uh, re- relate to that, uh, those those times with dad. But you remember them well. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, what did you guys use to get the transmission up uh, and into the vehicle? Because I'm, I'm assuming you didn't have a transmission jack, or maybe you did. I uh, did not. We we found one of our local parts, or not parts, uh, like a tool rental store. Oh, yeah. Uh, we rented it. It was pretty expensive, actually. I forget what it costs now, but it worked, and it got the job done, so I guess it can't be that upset about the cost of the jack <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes it, it's just something you have to do uh i remember helping a neighbor and i was the transmission jack uh, <laughs> i was i mean i wasn't unbolting anything he was and yeah. uh, so i think if i remember right it, they uh, we just dropped it on my back and then i just laid down <laughs> but, that sounds a little more challenging so. yeah yeah well we didn't have anything like that so uh but yeah. uh, but anyway uh, it's not about me so uh, what was it like uh doing the transmission was it scary as hell uh just the whole idea of something that big and that complex at the time yeah it was i i didn't know what i was doing either um and then, so the jeep had like one hundred ninety thousand miles on it at that point the transmission was due to be replaced and stuff but um yeah you know there's like 20 year old bolts i'm taking out some snapped off i didn't know how to fix it and <laughs> right we made it work but yeah, it was it was a little nerve wracking. Of course, now I'll do it without thinking twice. But mm-hmm. well, you've got that funny. confidence. You were successful. I, I'm assuming yeah. that the the and this is the thing that always concerns me about junkyard uh, transmissions. Yeah. Was the transmission okay? Did it work? <laughs> it did. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Good. And is it the same one that you have in there now, or have you changed it since? Uh no, it died. Uh, maybe two years ago. Well, it didn't completely die, but. So, okay, part of the problem is I was running, I ended up swapping to one tons and I couldn't afford uh, to re-gear it yet. So I ran it with the stock gears <laughs> and 37s. Yeah. So I really just, I beat beat the heck out of it. Transmission is going, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not good. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't be like me. It's a, it's a learning experience. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I mean, that is the neat thing, especially at an age like that. I mean, you're so close to, uh, I mean, technically you're still a child, but you're still close to that eight years old, 10 years old. And just the thought of being able to, to modify something that adults drive and build and pay for and stuff is, is a, a wonderful power to, to have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it felt good afterwards, and I was able to drive it, so it was it was awesome for mm-hmm. sure. So I would assume that the 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 the, the ZJ was uh, basically stock. It didn't have tons on it already, right? No. Okay. It was, yeah, completely yeah. stock. Yeah. So this was just getting it back in, in working order. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, transmission ran fine for a while, and is does it is it still damaged, or have you repaired it? I actually ended up. Uh, two years ago, I swapped it out with the NV4500 five-speed from a Dodge. 
So I kind of got tired of the, I mean, again, it was my own fault, but I was sort of over like the old Chrysler autos. So I wanted to have something I had more control over. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, that is nice. It's nice having that manual override, so to speak. Um, so uh, that's really cool. And uh, did you ever get the, the, the uh, axles re-geared? Yeah, I ended up doing that a few years back now. And when you said doing that, is that something you did yourself? Yeah. Yep. I'm assuming this wasn't a daily driver for you, or was it? Um, I had another car, but it was still like my winter daily driver. So you had a backup in case the differentials didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did have. I had something else to drive in between. So yeah. Did the, but I can't fly. Did the differentials? Uh, I mean, I think you just answered this. The differential swap uh, went just fine the first time you tried it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have all the proper tools, so it was more challenging. Um, but it went well and, uh, it's still holding up great today. Mm -hmm. What, what, uh, what, uh, the diff gears did you put in there? I went with, uh, 513s. I wish I went a little deeper, like 538. That's but. always the case. That's like a lift kit. You always wish yeah. you had gone another two inches or so on the yeah. lift. <laughs> yeah. One day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a nice thing. You've done it once. Uh, how, do you get uh, enjoyment out of working on stuff? I mean, the way I've always done it is, is that I just do it because I don't want to pay somebody else and, and nobody's going to pay as close attention to the details as, as I will, because it's my vehicle. So, yeah. but I begrudgingly doing it. I do it. I don't like working on vehicles. <laughs> I just like that knowing that I've, uh, that I accomplished it and that it's done at least to the level of rightness that I can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like it most of the time. Uh, I'll say when things are going right or well. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, I guess there's just certain things I don't enjoy. I don't love rust repair. I've done plenty of that on my Jeep and other people's vehicles. Uh, I don't really mind mechanical stuff, but I feel like I like a little variety. So, if I do one thing, I kind of want to do something else for a while. Yeah. Not, you know, the same thing every day. Yeah. But I still enjoy it. It's nice being an expert at something, but that can get a little tedious after a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what part of the country are you in? Uh, I'm in Pennsylvania, so nor the Northeast. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys uh, you guys know about salt and rust. You mentioned oh, yeah. rust, and uh, that's pretty. That's a lot of places, but fortunately, it's not a lot down here in Southeast Texas. Mm -hmm. um so on the the rust repair um i would imagine you get quite a bit of that um and um how do you handle that i mean other than putting some uh that uh, rust preventative stuff or that stuff that converts the rust into stuff that's not rust uh, and uh, cutting and welding and welding stuff in right yeah i mean most of what i've done has been just replacing the ride out pieces so i'll cut it out um you clean up with a wire wheel or whatever, and then use a, a, a weld through primer so I can make sure the inside is nice and uh, protected and then replace whatever panels or rotted out or make custom panels if I have to. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine, uh, unless you're, unless your dad knew about welding, the welding was quite an adventure for you about the learning and uh, just hell, just getting the equipment to start with. Did you start yeah. with a stick welder? No, actually, I, well, I bought a, um, it was a Harbor Freight. It was the 220 volt MIG oh, welder. Nice. So yeah. It was like one step up from the bottom of the barrel. But, uh, yeah, I learned with that. I started with flux core and then I eventually bought a small bottle of, uh, the C25 gas. And, um, I did have a, a good friend 
start to teach me kind of the basics. But um, for the most part, it was really just self-taught, just practice and trial and error. So um, how much of the, um, well, I, I guess, I, I, how much welding did you have to do on the on your ZJ? I would imagine that was the, the first thing that you actually started working on was your ZJ. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what was some of the things that you had to do? Your intro mentions that you were, you know, building parts because that's the way you could afford them. Uh, but uh, the, was there any breakage or anything that you had to fix before you started adding to it? Yeah. Um, well, the first, I think the main reason why I got the welder and all that was uh, for some rust repair. The whole back, like the whole hatch area around the, um, the wheel wells and the inner fenders and stuff, it was kind of all getting rotted out. So I did a lot of rust repair first, and then the friend that started, he introduced me to welding. He was uh, like into the off-road um, scene, we'll right. call it. And so I started going like super minor trail rides and stuff, and I thought it was cool. So, uh, so that's interesting. Funny. You you weren't into the the ZJ because it was a four wheel drive. It was a vehicle that your parents provided you, and you're mm-hmm. like, well, it's a four wheel drive. What the hell? You know, my, yeah. my buddy does yeah. it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it kind of just, you know, things just kind of fell into place. Um, I also want to mention that my well, my grandfather, and then I got passed to my dad, had a uh, 1959 CJ5, and I actually have that now. So that's what I learned to drive stick on in the backyard. <laughs> but um, there always has been some kind of like exposure to Jeeps my whole life. I just never really knew it until like recently. It's that thing. It's that thing that grandpa and dad has, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I got you. Yeah. So uh, what is the four-wheel drive like for you now? Is that something that's uh, like in your blood or can you just oh, yeah. drive a car? It's fine. I can drive a car. It's not a big deal. Um, no, I'd say it's pretty much on my mind all the time in one way or another <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i drove some i had like some normal you call it normal cars for a daily driver for a while but um yeah now i have my zj uh f250 and a like a a mid-size bmw uh, uh suv it's an x5 but yeah. technically everything's four-wheel drive but um yeah like the whole jeep thing is really important to me now and like I said, everything I do, um, I'm thinking about it in one way or another. Okay. So you, you learned, you taught yourself with, with some help, but you basically taught yourself how to weld. You had a vehicle that needed work, uh, and uh, so you had, to, you had to work on that, and you kind of learned on that, got the confidence that you could uh, do these things. Uh, at what point did you decide that you were going to start making parts to sell? I mean, I would imagine you made parts for your ZJ first, and you went, well, that worked out. Now I'm going to, uh, or, or, or was it the situation where somebody saw it and said, Hey, can you make one of those for me? Is that, is that how it started? Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, so my first project for making parts was on my ZJ. I made a uh, rear bumper. It's like I got this piece of really old rusty steel from where I was working at the time in high school. And anyway, I ended up cutting it all out by hand and, welding up a full like rear steel bumper. I still have it on a Jeep and it looks decent for you know <laughs> right. for back then. You can always say, Hey, I did this when I was in high school. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh yeah then I had some friends who wanted bumpers made and you know I started getting a little better at it. 
Um, and then a couple of years later, I wanted long arms on my Jeep. I couldn't really afford it still. I was in high school. Or, well, actually, I started college then. But mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I bought just the basic parts and some steel plate. I cut out a bunch of parts by hand and welded up some brackets. Um, so you didn't have anything to bend the metal, I would assume, like a press brake or anything. So you literally cut out the pieces like you would, you know, mock it up with cardboard, take those pieces, put it on metal, cut it out, weld it up, and grind the hell out of it to make it look decent. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so what did, what what did you use to cut it? Did you have a, a, a torch or uh, uh, certainly probably not a plasma cutter, but what did you use? Just uh, anything that, you know, you could cut the metal with? Um. I ended up, I forget at what point it was, but I ended up buying a, um, okay, actually the first bumper I made, I borrowed the plasma torch, the ah, plasma cutter at nice. my workshop. Yeah. Where I work. Yeah. I was I thinking that might be the case. on it because it was like after hours and I was 16 or whatever. So they were like, I don't know, but I convinced them to do it and it came out pretty good. But, um, I ended up buying an old Harbor Freight plasma cutter then. So I kind of got the job done to get things done a little more efficiently, at least. Mm-hmm. So uh, going back to the welder, that that first welder that you bought, what was the thick thickest weld? Uh, that sorry, what was the thickest metal that you could weld together? Uh, I I don't know what they recommend, but I was welding quarter inch with it. <laughs> Well, this but, is going to be important as we talk more about the stuff that you sell, because there's yeah. people out there that may go, well, I'd like to have these these things that uh, Nick sells, but uh, I don't know if, if I could weld it. So a 16-year-old mm-hmm. kid taught himself how to weld, and yeah. he used a Harbor Freight welder, although it was a 220-volt uh, 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 welder, uh, gives you a little bit better penetration uh, on the the weld. Uh, this isn't something that uh, nobody else can do, is my point, is that you can uh, do this yourself with just a little practice. And I would assume that on the, not trying to jump ahead here, but on the parts that you sell, um, that people could just take some some scrap metal of similar thickness and make and, and weld that together first to make sure that it was the right way of welding it on their rig before they did it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I totally agree with you. It's um, a lot of people are intimidated when they hear the word welding or, uh, you know, a weld. But um, it's, I mean, you have to, you know, realize you need to be safe about it. And if it's going on a vehicle, especially that's going to be used on the road, you want to make sure it's done well. But um, it's it's also at the same time not, you know, rocket science. Right. If you practice and you... Um, you know, you do your research, you read, maybe talk to someone who does it. It's definitely totally doable for pretty much anyone. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you know somebody that welds and you can always get their eyeballs on it once you've done it to to, exactly. to check the penetration. Because that's really what we're, we're concerned about when we weld things is to make sure we have that penetration. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I'll just, ma- I'll just mention this. I don't want to give anybody the notion that I know anything about welding. I don't. I've never welded or anything. I've just picked up stuff along the way and uh, learned about it. I mean, I-, I feel because of my past that I could teach myself how to weld. And one of these days, I'm going to get a welder and do it. I just think it's a critical piece of thing that you need if you're an off-roader. 
because uh, it, it's something's going to come up. Your your frame's going to crack, or you know you're going to want to make a, some sort of bracket or something, and trying to do it 100% mechanically with uh, beating the hell out of metal in a in a vise and drilling holes and uh, piecing it together with nuts and bolts. That's uh, uh, you can do it that way because that's the way I build things. But uh, it would be I think it would be a lot simpler and uh, more eloquent, more like everybody else's stuff. If 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 I could weld the things together instead of uh, uh, nuts and bolts uh, the the stuff together. Um, yeah. Okay, so you you got this, uh, you got the ZJ. It was the catalyst for uh, not only getting into Jeeps, but also too uh, for all this uh, learning of welding and making modifications. What was the first thing that you did, other than the body work? What was the the first thing that you did to your ZJ? Th- the thing you created that was to improve something, to to make it do something better, not just to keep it working. <laughs> um, I'd say the first thing was the rear bumper. And that makes that sense. Got, yeah. Um, that Did that have a tire carrier on it to start with, or was it just the rear bumper? It started... Uh, I think I did start with the tire carrier, and I ended up going through like three or four revisions of that because <laughs> well, it didn't work out too well the first times. But No falling off in traffic, I hope. <laughs> that happened once, yes. <laughs> well, thankfully... It was not traffic, but it fell off. And um, long story short, I don't use the spindle style hinges anymore. I only use double shear. So, uh, lesson learned. Yeah, lesson learned. So, yeah, so, yeah. so, what? Tell me the difference of those things. I know. I think I know what the spindle is, but I don't know what the double shear is. Yeah. So the the spindle style. Um, it's really common, and it's probably fine. But I had a 37 on there. It's probably overweight for it anyway. But anyway, the spindle is, um, it's mounted just at the bottom, on the bottom of the spindle normally, to your, uh, your bumper somehow. And then it just sticks up, but all the weight is then just on that part of the shaft that's sticking up. So nothing on the top is securing it to the bumper, but a double shear hinge, the top and the bottom of, the hinge are secured to the bumper so you can't really get any kind of sway back or forth at the top where it's you have the most leverage mm-hmm. so essentially it's just it's stronger it's a, a second point of attachment and the ones i use are the beefiest i could find they're super nice uh high quality uh i've never had any failures with them and i build actually i i now um well, I'm jumping forward a little bit. That's here, right. But, no, it's it's fine. Go right ahead. Um, so I ended up this past year, I redesigned the whole ZJ bumper. I made it different, but it looks similar. And um, I have that listed on my website now. Mm-hmm. So it's like a fully bolt-on part you could buy. And there's a lot of options on it and everything, but there is the tire carrier option. And if you go look at that, you can see the exact style hinge i'm talking about mm-hmm. if anyone's you know interested in that yeah that's uh four link four wheel drive.com uh the number four the, the word link and the number four wd.com so go over there now and uh, have a look at that 
Um, the, the, I tell you what, I don't. I didn't look at the. I mean, I was looking at the bumper. I went, oh, that, that is a good wraparound style bumper. You get a little protection not only the back but on the sides, which is always important to me, and mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of people. But the, the thing I was most impressed was, and I understand this is the starting price, but the starting price was three hundred and five dollars, if I'm remembering right. You can't yeah. buy anything, especially any bumpers, for three hundred bucks these days. That's that's just that's just cheap. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, well, that would be, so I offer the bumpers and like I said, different options. You can add on pieces, but also as welded or DIY. So, hey, if someone can weld and they want to save a few bucks, they could order that basic bumper DIY kit. And yeah, it's uh, about $300. So, And I would assume uh, that uh, does not include shipping. Correct. Yeah. Because that would be. I bet you it's a hundred or two hundred dollars worth of shipping just by itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shipping's not cheap, unfortunately. I've tried to find the best ways to do it. So, mm-hmm. you know. well, if you're in Pennsylvania, uh, can can you just come by and pick it up, or if you want to make a drive, can you just come yeah. by and pick it up? Yeah. Oh yeah, yep. That's an an option for pretty much everything on my website is a pickup. So, yeah, for something like that, that's a huge savings in money. Oh, God, yes. Um, and also, too, I'm sure it's a nightmare uh, packing the thing up because you don't want all your hard work uh, to be damaged or scratched up. Yeah, definitely. It's a long process. So, you know, if it's worth it, so you can, so I can reach out to the entire country and whatnot. But like you said, it comes with some, some effort. So it looks like you got a license plate holder on that thing as well. Is that one of the options? Uh, license plate hold, well, let's see. So that would be if you get a tire carrier, that right. would come with it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But and, yeah, it's removable, so it allows for easy painting and stuff. And do you have a, a maximum tire size that you recommend for the tire carrier? I say 40 inches is max. I would recommend no bigger than 37, though, just because it's a lot of weight up high. You know, your center of gravity is then uh, higher. And also that much weight playing back and forth, that's not a good thing really, but right. I, would, I would trust it, but it's, you know, and then there's the, the thought of trying to get the tire up and down <laughs> would be a nightmare in itself. <laughs> the the good, good point. Have you thought about anything like uh, uh, some of those bumpers that uh, are the tire carriers, really not the bumpers, but the tire carriers that are like those enclosed type cages where uh, you can lay it over and then it would actually you know where you could get to the tire it would be not 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 impossible i mean i'm not trying to say here it would still be heavy but at least you're not trying to lift it up high and drop it down low you know i haven't looked into that but i have seen those and it is a good idea i mean you know when you're lifting the whole thing up you're never lifting the full weight of it since the hinges take exactly part of the weight too, yeah it's so. leverage uh, yeah and 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 i actually i guess you could put a little uh, a little uh tube on there and uh get a little uh, a rod that fit in the tube and use that leverage to actually put it up and the way i'm the reason why i'm asking about this is is i've seen these things and there's a lot more women getting involved in off-roading and mm-hmm. and they have the same illness that we have the men have about wanting bigger tires the, yeah. only, the only problem is they're uh most of them are uh least likely to be able to handle that weight and they want to be able to do this stuff themselves yeah. uh and, and of course you can use uh, uh cheater pipes and stuff like that if you're trying to uh, tighten something up or break something loose but as mm-hmm. far as uh, a tire off of, of, of a spare tire carrier ah there's not a lot you can do there other than get a friend to help you help you with it 
So I was thinking that somebody needs to come out with one of those carriers that has that cage type thing. I'm sure I'm not calling it the right way, but you you guys have seen it. I think you know what I'm talking about. And it's hinged to the the bumper, but there needs to be something that... that you press a button or like what I was talking about where you put a uh, cheater pipe in there that, that's right there where you just pull it out and, and use it to help lower that thing down and help raise it up. You can use that. If you want to you'll make one of those, you can use that. Uh, I have no problem with that. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty cool for like a, like a JL or something. Mm-hmm. I think that would be nice for them. Well, it probably, it probably would sell really well because uh, there's a lot of uh, JL sales uh, going on now. Probably a lot less than the ZJ sales. The ZJs yeah. are probably selling about like the XJs uh, sell. I have a, a 98 XJ, that I, my first Jeep that I ever bought uh, in 98. And uh, so I've, I've kind of gone down the same trail you have with the exception of not welding anything, just buying stuff that was bolt-on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. But so, yeah, the the older Jeep market just doesn't seem to be the best place to be. I do still love it and respect it because that's where I started. But um, I am looking to move more into like JK, JL stuff this upcoming year and, and you know, to continue after that. Just to stay with the, the modern market and that's where most of the focus is, so... You know, why not get up there, too? You know, it's funny. You would think that people that had a, a ZJ and they're whittling a, C, a ZJ have more money to spend for modifications. But it seems like the people that bought the fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 vehicles are more likely to spend money for their, for their uh, vehicles. Oh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, that's good to hear because I was going to ask you about that. I mean, uh, I, I know a couple of people that uh, from uh, my uh, modification of the XJ, which is it never stops. I mean, the, you, ne- you never stop modifying a Jeep. But uh, one of my focus, uh, I have a Gladiator now. So my focus was the XJ. Now it's more on the, the Gladiator. But uh, I ran across uh, several really good folks uh, during the uh, the XJ modification days. And... Um, I asked them, I mean, there's this one guy that I just absolutely love his XJ stuff, uh, XJ parts. Got a lot of them on, on my XJ. And I said, uh, Andy, are you going to do, I mean, I, I'm, I'm needing bumpers and stuff for my Gladiator. I know your work. Is this anything that you're looking into? It's like, no. I mean, he still focuses on XJ stuff. And that's fine. That's his business. And uh, there's, I'm sure there's enough there because otherwise he he wouldn't be doing it anymore but yeah. uh, I, I i mean it's his business but i would uh, really like to i i would have liked it better for me if he had gotten into some more modern day jeeps mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's uh you know i guess it's it's whatever works for the individual business or mm-hmm. the owner of the business who decides but that's cool i mean i'm i'm happy to hear that for him but 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 um, you're but you're going to be moving forward. You're going to be looking at um, moving into the more modern day jeeps. Yeah, yeah. So um, actually, one of the products that I just came out with this past summer, it's a, a fully bolt-on axle swap truss kit or like axle swap assembly. I'm going to be uh, this coming year uh, making like a vehicle specific brackets for that, and I want to I want to focus on like JK JL. But um, I guess we should probably talk about that a little more instead of me just jumping in there. No, it's fine. I, I'd like to know more about that. My first question is, um, truss kits are generally welded on, and you're doing a bolt-on, which I think is wonderful from a mass market type appeal, uh, mm-hmm. because that means you don't have to be a welder. 
but how how is that not as good as welding it or is it as good well so what i was aiming for when i came well let me let me go back a little bit i you know like i said i started working on my own jeep when i was in like high school and early in college and um well, at one point, I didn't know how to weld, and for a while, I can't say I was the best welder. Oh, of course. So, you know, it would have been really cool if there was an option then that was something completely bolt-on that allowed me to swap one-ton axles into my Jeep, which I eventually did uh, the old-fashioned way. And the old way definitely is great, as long as, you know, the welds are sufficient. But, um... When I thought of this idea a few years ago, I, I just, I was thinking there has to be a better way to allow more people to axle swap their Jeeps or their other off-road vehicles. Someone who can't weld or, you know, can't afford to pay someone to weld, which isn't cheap. And even if you can, um, the solution I came up with is much quicker, it's more efficient, it's removable if you end up uh, like spinning a carrier bearing or somehow you know, wiping out a spindle or something on the end of the axle. But, you know, I have nothing against the weld-on trusses, and I've installed plenty of them. I love them, and they're great. But, um, yeah, this, this fully bolt-on axle swap truss kit is currently only offered for the Sterling 10.5 rear. Mm-hmm. And uh, it mounts to the axle... On the axle tube, there's six tube clamps that clamps around the axle. And then there's a, like a pinion casting tie-in bracket. So that more or less clamps to the casting. And then everything's connected together with grade 8 bolts. So the benefit, like I said, is that someone who can't or doesn't want to weld or can't afford to can do this in a day, really. Uh, or, you know, let's call it a weekend. It's still probably going to be quicker than someone who's doing a traditional weld-on style. Yeah, I really like the bolt-on aspect, but uh, getting back to my original question, which mm-hmm. is better, weld-on or bolt-on? Uh, I guess better is... What's stronger? Well... Probably the weld-on would be less likely to move. I mean, it, unless the weld breaks, it's not going to move. But bolt-on style, it's possible that like the axle could spin a little bit. But with the pinion tie-in bracket, it really can't spin. So your links then connect directly to the, uh, the bolt-on axle truss assembly. And, you know, that's all welded together, so... Oh, I wasn't following on this. I'm just thinking of a truss. This is actually a tie-in for, uh, like, a long arm or... Oh, okay. That's really cool. That is really cool, because now you don't have to weld on any tabs or anything. You can just put your arm straight to this truss. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, The truss is a little misleading, like, calling it that. It's really... It's uh, a whole bracket assembly that... It contains all the brackets for your your uh, control arm links, coilover or uh, coil spring buckets, whatever you're running, and uh, like shock brackets, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So the whole thing basically clamps to your axle tubes and then the pinion casting. 
and it all just bolts together. So, so this makes no sense level. why it's, I was wondering why the word swap was in the title of this thing. Yeah, um, this makes more sense because if you want to put this axle in, you got to do a lot of work. You, I mean, just getting the axle is one thing, but getting it matched up with, like you said, the coil buckets, all the rest of that stuff, that's a lot of work and effort and welding that you have to do. With this, you just bolt it on and uh, hook up the uh, the control arms to it, and you're done. I mean, there's adjustments, I'm sure, but still, uh, yeah. So that's that's really cool, and uh, and obviously you've taken into account to keep the thing from moving because obviously that would cause up cause pinion angle issues <laughs> if it if it moves. So you actually tie into the front uh, of the diff, so it, it it can't move. That the once that you have all the alignment straight, it'll stay there. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. So. The main, like I said, the main point of connection are the axle tube clamps. They're mm -hmm. the six clamps. They're held together by 22 grade eight bolts. Um, but then, yeah, there's the, the pinion casting tie-in. So that comes standard as just a bracket that wraps around the casting. You can also upgrade to the pinion skid, which isn't, that's not in existence for the Sterling 10 and a half. So. It's a pretty cool feature to add for someone who does some more hardcore wheeling. You get the, the skid plate for the pinion, and that ties back into the whole mm -hmm. axle swap bracket assembly. Yeah, well, this is really cool, and the welding question really doesn't apply here because you're doing a lot more than just putting a truss on. I mean, there's weld-on trusses, and there may be some, even something like this for uh, the control arms and uh, spring buckets, uh, the coil buckets and stuff. I don't know. But uh, this is really neat. So I see what you're saying. This really simplifies the process of, of adding at least the the Sterling 10.5 axle uh, to, and I would imagine this is ZJ specific? Um. Oh, yeah. So the setup... The setup I offer right now is, is more of a universal setup. It should work for multiple Jeeps, but it would be if you have like a upper triangulated four link. So within the next year, I'm going to move into vehicle specific bracket locations and keep the four link option there too. Mm -hmm. But that way, say someone has like a, a JK with like a Iron Rock off-road long arm kit or something like that, or or just just some beefier control arms. They can pretty much just take their old axle out and bolt in uh, their one-ton axle with our swap kit that's completely bolt-on. This is really big. This is a big deal. This is a great idea. Uh, how much time and effort did you have to put into this to make this work? Um, a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew the answer, I, but I want to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, you know, this, this kind of goes back to where I, I taught myself how to do CAD designing and, um, well, CAD, which is designing. So, uh, yeah, like my file for this, um, this project, I have like a hundred versions of it. Of course. Or something. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And I am really excited. It's, this is only the beginning stages of it, but I think it's going to be really helpful, really helpful for, you know, a wide range of consumers. Like I said, people who want to do these kind of swaps, like you're on bigger tires, but they're just not comfortable with that next step of a, a one-ton swap with all the fabrication necessary for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this the idea that I can buy this and I can buy this and then I can spend X number of hours or days 
but I don't have to do, I don't have to learn anything new like welding or uh, getting something that uh, uh, an angle finder so I can make sure I got this thing right and the pinion. I mean, you, you're going to have to set the, the pinion angles and stuff already, but still, just having this bolt on and instructions how to do it, that gives you a little more confidence that you can, yeah. can do this stuff. Uh, if you don't mind the suggestion, and you probably already know this, you need more pictures on this thing. I'm looking at one picture. And it, oh, it really? doesn't, it does, I mean, maybe it's there, but I'm looking at the Sterling 10.5 bolt-on axle uh, swap truss kit version 3, and okay. uh, I see one rear shot. Oh, there should be some more if you click, there should be little arrows, like, left and right, but if you don't see ah, it there. I can barely see the arrows, yes. And, and also, too, I'm talking. Yep, there's the, 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 uh, the skid plate uh for the for the truss that's now oh, i love that and it goes all the way up to the uh, looks like it goes all the way to the the u-joint uh yep. which is important and because yeah. uh, you know that's if you hit anything obviously murphy's law says that's where you're going to hit uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh yeah great and uh so that that really does help you know it would be nice if you just uh clean that up before you took the pictures though i mean how dare you <laughs> take it out and use it <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, take exactly. pictures. <laughs> well, okay, actually, that makes a lot just, more sense. Yeah. Uh, I just ended up shooting uh, a full video of pretty much an instructional video of the installation of this. So uh, I'm posting that on my YouTube, which is at Forlink Four Wheel Drive. And um, yeah, so that'll show the whole process. So anyone who's not sure exactly how this works, they can see each step and it really is very simple um for someone who has like basic mechanical abilities and yeah then, I, uh, I like i like how you said you've got uh i think you said uh, six uh, u-bolts tying this thing into the onto the axle mm-hmm. yeah so they're three on they're, each side uh, i would imagine i'm sorry three on each side i would imagine oh yes yeah yep and the next step besides looking toward vehicle specific bracket locations um it's going to be the the dana 60 the 05 plus dana 60 front so that we can provide a, a matching front and rear set so. yeah i was going to ask you about that if you had any plans for the front because obviously if you're doing uh, tons in the back <laughs> you don't want the training wheels up front <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally yeah so that's in the works so we'll be doing a matching front and rear soon, and then also uh, working into the um, you know brackets that line up with whatever suspension you already have on there, or the if you want to go with the the four link route, that's going to be there too as an option. Oh, and I think you already answered this, but I'm going to ask because uh, I'm not sure this uh, bolt on. Um, would this work with the the stock control arms, or are you modi- doing a lot of modifications as far as I mean, are you going to a long arm when you go to the, go with this? So, I guess I'm not exactly sure yet with like the JK that I'm probably going to do next. Um, I'm not super familiar with their control arm setup, but right now I'd say you know these uh, mounts wouldn't line up. So that's why I want to I want to get one in my shop and mm-hmm. then 
on figure the, out on the exactly ZJ where. on the ZJ though would it oh. uh, will, will the control arms that are in the rear there work with this or or I mean I understand if you're going to go all th- through all this you might as well go go with long arms <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense to do that but just so people understand that, that if they mm-hmm. get this they're having to do more than just uh, re- replace the, the 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 axle and putting this bolt-on kit on there that you're going to be doing more to it yeah uh so yeah this would require a long arms um and what'd you say a three link a four link what or, or either or or uh it's currently set up as a upper triangulated four link um i would like to move into say someone got like um like a long arm kit that has the the parallel four link with the track bar still pretty much like a factory setup mm-hmm. but they're long arms I'd like to provide those kind of bracket locations too. So it's just going to be working through each specific vehicle and getting all the brackets pretty much lined up. Mm-hmm. It's all possible. It just takes time and design. Yeah. And test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> test fitting. Yeah. Um, uh, which kind of brings us into uh, the custom work, which is I would imagine you get quite a bit of information from vehicles when you do custom work there. So mm-hmm. uh, what part of Pennsylvania are you in or where, where you do the custom work? Where would people come to? Uh, so I'm located in eastern Pennsylvania right now. So that's in eastern PA. It's actually right next to New Jersey. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, too close for comfort. Just kidding, New Jersey people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New Jersey customers, come on over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's good. Hey, they have cheap gas, so I, I love them for that. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um. Yeah, so we're in East, Eastern PA. Um, I do pretty much any kind of custom fab someone wants to do. I've done long arms, uh, one-ton swaps. I've done re-gears, um, custom bumpers, custom tire carriers, stainless exhaust, rust repair, you name it. I've pretty much been through all of them already and... I'm open to trying anything. So, are you a one-man shop, or you you got some help yet? I have some help, uh, like yeah. part-time help. Mm-hmm. This coming year, I am looking to hopefully hire, uh, but you know, we'll see once we get there. But I'm definitely looking to add people onto my team, especially for some of the background work. But like in the shop, I do have assistance when I, you know, I need it. Right. Um, so, uh, and, and I would imagine that if anybody's interested in custom work, well, well first off, is this just for Jeeps or uh, any vehicle? Uh, pretty much any vehicle. I've worked on uh, Ford Rangers, Ford Explorer, um, Subarus, m- mostly Jeeps, WJ, TJ. But yeah, pretty much anything. Anything you want done, I can figure it out. Cool. Oh, and uh, when you when you said TJ, it, it made me think of uh, the poor bastards that have the Dana thirty five rear ends. Oh yeah. Are you any any uh, any plans for maybe doing a uh, a truss system? It would be <laughs> a lot simpler, I think, because uh, mm-hmm. if like if you wanted to put a forty four or uh, even uh, uh, what was the other one? Oh, a Ford eight point eight is a is a good swap for a TJ rear end to get rid of the Dana yeah. thirty five. Uh, and my God, that would make it so easy if you just bolted yeah. on a truss system to that. Yeah, I I am interested in looking at um, like Dana forty four swaps. Um, I was actually talking to uh, the owner of 
Deep Cables, and he's interested in a Dana 44 bolt-on swap for his XJ. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of people, like, you know, want to do the, the Dana 44 JK axles and their XJ, TJ. Well, well that makes not, sense, yeah. But, yeah, the J- yeah, JK's so. been out a while. I'm sure there's some wrecked ones out there, or ones that have been upgraded, and they have the uh, the additional axles laying around that they can't get rid of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but the the Ford eight point eight that sounds like a great idea too. So I think the bolt pattern. Like I think the bolt pattern is the same uh, as what's on the thirty five. I think that's one of the reasons why the eight point eight and the eight point eight is just stupid uh, strong from what I've read. Yeah. Very beefy, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. So that just uh, my wife has a a Dana thirty five. It's not taken off road, but it's always I always make the joke that uh, if you're wheeling with the Dana thirty five, you're not only endangering yourself. You're endangering an entire city block whenever it explodes. <laughs> That's right. When that axle shaft lets loose, you better watch out. <laughs> um, so uh, just really quick here, because uh, we, we've gone long on this really interesting conversation. Uh, I love the origin story because uh, it makes it's I think it's something that uh, a lot of us uh, can identify with where you start this. But not all of us have uh, turned that into something that's a success. And I think that that's the kind of the cool thing about it is that you've turned uh, getting an old vehicle, the old rusted vehicle with a bad transmission into a business and something yeah. that you do uh, on a daily basis. And you're helping people enjoy their lives with uh, keeping their Jeep on the road and making it better for off road. Uh, but anyway, uh, so real quick, uh, you, you make these make parts. We talked about the trust, but you have other parts that you sell uh, weld on mm-hmm. parts. Uh, you, uh, I would say that you have more weld on stuff than you have bolt on stuff. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. I yeah. have a uh, weld on actually, I think a, a pretty interesting product that I've, with recently is uh the weld on system but they're um they're brackets they're adjustable brackets for air bumps so like fox or king bump stops mm-hmm. most of the time you get them uh the brackets and it's just you weld them in wherever they go and that's kind of it but the ones that i sell you weld in like the one part of the bracket but uh essentially it, it can travel up or down you can you can take the bolts out and move it up or down so you can adjust how much bump you have. So if you don't dial it in the, right the first time, you can just unbolt it, move it. If you change your shock length, uh, you know, add a coilover or something like that, you can always just really quickly adjust it so you have the perfect bump height every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to live with it. You actually have some adjustability without having to cut the thing off and re-weld it. Exactly, yeah. So much quicker and more simple. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we have some other simple brackets, um, gussets, and going to be coming out with more variety of control arm brackets, shock brackets, all the really common stuff. So then, there was one thing that I want to mention this really quick. I saw you uh, on Instagram uh, making some sort of tool, and I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought it was a, a self-wheel alignment tool when I first saw it, but it only had one one end, I mean, one rod on one side. And those things I usually see, they're, they both have it front and rear, so you can measure between the, the wheels. And I was looking at your site tonight, and it's uh, it's actually a, 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 a what, what, I'm sorry, what would you call it? I want to, I want to call it a, a pinion you know, yoke holder. Yeah, I call it a pinion tool or a pinion holder. 
And it's actually been my uh, top seller. Um, <laughs> it's the, everybody feels this pain if you're going to take that big nut <laughs> off of the yoke. Like you're going to yeah. take the take that uh, that yoke off of there. It's like, well, how the hell am I supposed to do this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I struggled enough, uh, you know, working on gears myself or pinions, I should say. Mm-hmm. I was looking into what was out there in the market, and I saw a lot of complaints, like certain. Certain ones stripping out, certain ones bending. So I decided I'm going to build one that is just stronger and it's going to hold up. So I have a lifetime warranty on my opinion holders. If you bend it somehow or break it, I'll just send you a new one or I'll make it better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really like them. It's it's a really simple tool, but I take weld it all by hand and... Um, it's been really popular, so it, you know it makes me feel good. To see people out there using them and working every day with them and really beating them up it shows how how well they work. Mm-hmm. So basically, this thing uh, attaches uh, to the yoke or uh, somehow uh, maybe the bolts that you would normally put in there to hold the the the, the caps on or whatever the U bolts, and then uh, you're basically using leverage, a long handle. And you twist it, and it hits the ground, and now that thing's holding it in place while you're taking the nut off, while you're turning, it, tightening it, or loosening it. So you don't have to um, uh, try to figure out a way or get your buddy in there with a crowbar <laughs> to, to hold yep. it. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. So the tool itself bolts to the pinion uh, flange or the yoke, whatever you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I make two different sizes. Pretty much the smaller size should fit most uh, yokes. Even the Sterling 10 and a half yoke, but the large size is made um, to fit the Dana 80, which has a giant pinion nut. But So that bolts to your oh, yoke. Oh, God, I bet you really need that thing for that. I didn't even think about oh, yeah. that, the big axles. Wow. Yeah, they're, uh, if, you, you know, if you use the, the factory setup for the Dana 80, the specs are... 500 or 550 foot pounds on the oh my nut. god so you really need it <laughs> oh, but, i complain yeah, about 180 <laughs> yeah exactly but you've so, got yeah. uh, you've got camping gear you've got uh, merchandise uh there's uh, like we've already mentioned the custom work uh, it sounds like you do quite a bit of custom work uh and if, if somebody wants custom work they can just go to uh four link four and uh, contact you set something up uh i mean uh, do, do people stop by and say hey can you do this and you say go away <laughs> come back tomorrow or <laughs> uh most of the time it's like uh i get I get references from just local people, word of mouth, or they'll go on the website and submit a form. Mm-hmm. Go to the fourlinkfoilwheeldrive.com and go to the custom work uh, section or contact us. And they can always submit a form. So I want to tell you, to mention something to you here about the, uh, the camping gear. You guys have a portable fire pit. And uh, thank you very much for not making it in the shape of a Jeep, because I think a burning <laughs> a burning Jeep is a bad thing. I call that bad mojo. But you also have uh, things that you can add to the, the, pit, the pit so that you can actually cook food. So yes. uh, little grills, plate risers, uh, and uh, extra grill plate uh, for the portable fire pit. So I would assume it comes with one, uh, one grill plate. But this would be good for cooking food, right? Oh, yeah. I use it. Actually, probably more often than I should, but 
I honestly, it's one of my favorite things. I I love fires. I love. <laughs> I might be a pyro. I was but. called a pyro by my chemistry teacher. <laughs> well, I'm right with you there. Yeah, well, that's but, really yeah, really cool. Thank you. Yeah, there's different options, and it's great for cooking over. I've designed it a few different times, and uh, I cannot get this to warp like the other ones in the market. But um, it's got a really solid design, and it holds up to anything. So it'd be great for overlanders or people just going out to the trails. Yeah, it may be. You may say this on the website. I didn't see it uh, though. Uh, is this something that you can fit together, or is it all, uh, you know, something that you can break down and put it in a small area, and then put it together and use it? Yeah. So it slides apart, like. Uh, like a lot of them on the market, mm-hmm. there's different slots and it kind of fits together like a puzzle. Right. And I'd supply you with uh, a bag. So, so what you're saying is put it together first, then start drinking. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and get your fire going first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, you've got several tools here. Uh, by the way, that small universal pinion yoke holder is uh, 59 bucks. So, my God, that's that's worth just the amount of cussing that you're going to be doing uh, if you don't have it. So, that's uh, that's great. So, you got merchandise. You got, uh, looks like you got uh, T-shirts, hoodies, uh, a, uh, a, I guess it's like a koozie holder, black glossy mug. Oh, no, that's actually a mug. And, yeah. uh, you know, very, several uh, mugs. That's really nice. So, uh, and a uh, travel mug, which you always need, especially if you're going off-road. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Nick, you know how the kids love the social media. Where where can they find you? We've already mentioned uh, four link four link four wheel drive dot com, but uh, what about the, the the social media slots? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok, uh, and just look up four link four wheel drive. And again, that's spelled number four L I N K number four W D. And if you want to email me. It's Nick at fourlink4wd.com. Very nice. Nick, thank you a lot. And uh, uh, we'll have to have you on again because we just scratched the surface. I know we talked a lot about the, about the beginnings, but that uh, – and I, I still maintain, I think that's the great thing about stories like this is the, the, the journey. And it sounds like you're doing very well, and uh, we're really looking forward to seeing more products, especially that, uh, that trust – uh, system that, you, that you're working on. I think that's going to be a big deal for the marketplace. Actually, I'm surprised this is the first time I've seen anything like this. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know how much research you did on it, but I don't know anybody else doing anything like this. Yeah, um, I did a lot of research on it. I couldn't find anything that was really similar to it. So it's actually patent pending right now. Uh, so it's exciting, but um, yeah, I, I bet you it's well. damn exciting just to make the damn thing work. <laughs> 100, 105 <laughs> yeah. designs it's like oh finally and i'm yeah. sure there's about 15 things you want to change on it right now yeah well all the additions i want to make is uh it's gonna be a lot of work but it's definitely gonna be worth it to so um you know make it usable for anyone with pretty much any jeep mm-hmm. any any tools really nice really nice good good thinking yeah. there all right nick thank you a lot and we appreciate you having on have to get you back really soon i appreciate it, tony can't wait to come back thank you Hey, thanks again to Nicholas of Four Link Four Wheel Drive. Visit their website right now. That's the number four, the word link, the number four again, wd.com. Four Link Four Wheel Drive.com. 
Hey, coming up next week, Callie from Midland, USA. You can head on over there to MidlandUSA.com and check out all the great radios they have, uh, including the ones that we recommend uh, for your Jeep, a GMRS radio. Get the mobile, get the external antenna, and do it right. This part of the Jeep Talk Show is sponsored by Fuel. Can't drink it, but you can't live without it. And I dare you to show me a Jeeper who doesn't like the smell of race gas. Fuel, powering your Jeep dreams for over 128 years. Yeah, I think your Jeep smells like gas. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the Jeep Talk Show. I want to give a big thank you to our special guests for joining us today and sharing their knowledge and experience with the Jeep community. Remember, we have four episodes a week, and it's understandable if you've missed past episodes. You can always find us on your favorite podcast platform or on our website. With over 900 episodes, there's plenty of Jeep Talk Show to entertain you while driving to your destination working out uh, at the gym or mowing the grass. Improve your day by listening to more Jeep Talk Show. Hey, we love hearing from you, our listener. Reach out to us via email, phone, social media. Uh, We use your voicemails on the show. Love those voicemails. Until next time, keep on jeeping, and we'll see you on the trails. Oh, and remember, Fridays are red. Remember, everyone deployed. Broadcasting since 2010. Ooh, red jeeps are sexy.